1: Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, talking football, on the pitch stuff today. If you have not yet listened to our show about the 25% purchase of Manchester United shares by Ineos and Sir Jim Ratcliffe, please go back and listen to that. We released it on Thursday, but today we'll be looking at on the pitch issues The thing that is quite important, United are between two matches over the holiday period, a win over Aston Villa, 3-2, dramatic win, and a trip to Nottingham Forest. We also haven't talked football since United lost to West Ham either just before Christmas. But, Rob, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Villa game, but at least they won.
2: At least they won, like you know, at half time, I think we would have taken at least they won, wouldn't we? After being 2-0 down to some patheticness from our defense once more. Um, yeah, you got the points, didn't you? And of course, I think in the moment it felt incredible that you managed to kind of salvage something from a, a losing position. And again, all the obituaries being written at half-time, I think, for for Eric Ten Hag and myself guilty of that as well because I think that first half for me felt more concerning than just being 2-0 down. It really felt that the players were miles off where they needed to be in terms of their pressing and their shape. Second half, Scott, they, they rose from the dead and became Manchester United once again somehow uh, and staged one of the great comebacks at Old Trafford. I think 3-2 against a team like Aston Villa who are undoubtedly one of the best teams in Europe this year. Let's be honest. That's what they are. It was an an amazing achievement for the team. We'll talk about that in a bit more depth in a second. But subscribe. We're able to get
1: your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, the Promised Land and Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment. Pop the notification bell on as well so you never miss a show. We've done two this week, two in two days, Thursday and Friday. Apologies. it's It's the Christmas and New Year season for us. So, our days are a bit off, a bit skew if, but uh, follow us on social media too, at Dolan Scott Saunders on X, Instagram and TikTok, at underscore Rob underscore B on X, and YouTube and at TPLMUFC on X as well, if you would like to give us a follow. But today, yeah, we'll be talking about the football, and we'll be looking ahead to the Nottingham Forest game. United is so weird. I think I tweeted this, Rob. They're the most boring team to watch in the league or the mo- one of the most entertaining. There's no real in-between. Yeah. Like, I-, I watched the West Ham game, obviously, and I think you did as well. And I- when you lose 2-0 to West Ham, having not really done too much, it was a- it was such a drab game. Wasn't it? it was just whichever team produced a bit of quality for me, I think, was was going to be the winner. And I think West Ham and- ended up doing it with Lucas Paquetta's little little chip over, you know, and inevitably switch off and it leads to a goal. Um, but they're winning one week and they're losing the next and they're losing the next one and then they're winning again and they as we talk i think well before before last night's result i think they were sixth in the league, sixth in the league and still not too far out of touch with everything above them but you know still quite a way back and they have a forest game with a new manager nuno in charge they've they're uh, looking all right you know, they're looking like they could uh, spring a surprise or two. And uh, it's a difficult place to go. They've beaten they've beaten some big teams there since they've been promoted back to the Premier League. But, yeah, we're between we're two-thirds of the way through the Christmas period of matches. And United play Forest on Saturday. And then they have a break for about a week in the FA Cup. I think they play on Monday night, don't they, in the FA Cup? Mm-hmm. And then there's one Premier League match against Spurs in January. And that's mm-hmm. it. So we're embarking on a rest period. Mason Mount's back in training. But after the Tottenham game, or maybe even before the Tottenham game, United might have some first-team players back involved. But where are we, Rob? Because I, I was I jumped on Five Live uh, on Wednesday night, and I was asked, is this the moment where United can turn a corner? How many times have we had that conversation? And that's what I said. Uh, I don't think you can be convinced that they will turn a corner Because they've got, remember the the McTominay double in injury time, Brentford won it, and there's been some other big wins. The Chelsea win was was really good as well. Well, they created a lot of chances anyway. Uh, But then they follow it up with a defeat. And it would not surprise you at all if they fell to defeat against Forest. So where are we
2: at the moment? Where are we? Oh, what a question! Um, I, I think the thing is, Scott. Quite often, when you look at the story, Man United week to week and month to month, is that it's not actually one game and the next game. It kind of feels like it gets eked out. So let's go to the timeline of West Ham. Yeah. So at West Ham, do you know what? You did all the right things to start off with. Sixty-eight and seventy minutes worth of pure control. You bossed that game. The stadium there in East London. Shh, was quiet and silent. People, they, people don't want to hear that, Rob. I, I, that's like, why, that's why I've they, got to say it. <laughs> people
1: don't want to hear it, and I think Ten Hag said it afterwards. I agreed with him. And I completely. think you just said you agreed too. Yeah, but they didn't take their chances. Like they, they had a couple of uh, win the ball high up the pitch, and obviously Garnacho had that chance to score. If you score in that situation, it changes the dynamic of the game, and maybe West Ham uh, they fall into themselves a little bit. But when you lose 2-0 to West Ham, you don't really create a big chance. But you play like that for 70 minutes, which the, the intensity wasn't there, but they had control because West Ham are not a team that will come out and, and get at you. Uh, but you do, people don't want to hear that if you lose. And I think that Ten Hag yeah. is not really in position at the moment to go and say that, even though he believes it. He's, it's not going to wash with a lot of people. But just I, I agree with you.
2: Yeah, I, I think we can only say like sometimes like when I watch Man United, I do think that kind of my, my brain is about to kind of fall out my mouth because I know I'm about to say things that maybe people don't like. But I'm only going to say it because I'm being honest as a as someone who can who, who I think analyzes it from a certain angle, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low. So for 70 minutes, Man United did exactly what I've been begging Man United to do for a long time, and that is put the ball on the deck. Don't be frivolous, don't be wasteful, but yes, please go create one or two chances. Now, as you said, if Garnacho takes one or two of those chances in that game, it's a completely different football match. The problem was is that you allowed West Ham to get to that window of opportunity right at the end of a game where they can just they can kind of turn the tide against you and take your weaknesses. And make you you suffer because of that. That's what happened in that game, yeah? That 20 minutes. That Paqueta ball was literally the only piece of quality in the game where he spins it over the top of the defence. It's a great pass. And, and then we know what happened after that. So you lose the football match. That's where it, it went. I agreed with Eric Ten Hag. But I agreed with him before he even said it. I said, no, Man United controlled that game. And I'm sure that's what he was telling his players. Right, let's fast forward now and jump to the next match because I said this is never only just over one game. I think that first half against Aston Villa was massively concerning. Why? Well, Man United were playing their 4-1-4-1, Scott. Yeah, like they do. And it looked like they have never played it before. Haven't got a clue. You could actually see them in the four across with Ericsson and Bruno talking to each other and shouting at each other. You're supposed to be there, mate. Mate, you're supposed to be there. Lads, wider, wider. No, no, narrow, narrow, lads. It's like, what's going on? And you were rightfully 2-0 down because you couldn't defend a couple of set pieces. Like, that's Man United in a nutshell, isn't it? We could talk about Onana's goalkeeping again. I think that's on the the agenda because that wasn't a great moment, but he did save United in the second half. Fast forward to the second half, Scott, and the Jekyll and Hyde kicks in, isn't it? United were brilliant in the second half. They went out there knowing they were 2-0 down and they were either going to see their manager get potentially sacked off the back of this because it was so bad or they were going to rise from the dead, from the ashes, and they chose the latter, thankfully. So we all felt great, obviously, after that. 3-2, it's a fantastic result. But Man United won that game with an XG of 1.1. 1. 1. United didn't really do a lot of good stuff. I know people think they did, but the truth is, is that you got away with it. And Villa, I think, with their high line, were there to be exposed on the counter-attack. And United exposed them. So fantastic result, kind of repositioned you again, gets you going again. But as weeks so weeks go on, Scott, Nottingham Forest now coming up, new manager, new manager bounce, you have got to be better. You've got to be better in your press and in possession, and you've got to have better XGs than
1: 1.1. This will set the tone, really, won't it? Because I think we're we're jumping... It seems United are never more than a defeat away from crisis, and that's that's specifically your point at mm. the moment. They need, and Ten, I think Ten Hag really needs to win this Forest game because... Yeah, it'll set the narrative again. You, you don't get too high, don't get too low. Unfortunately, that it's either very, very low or very, very high.
0: It's <laughs> so the roller coaster always that's, that's, the,
1: that's the way that it is at the minute. And I think if Ten Hag can just it, he needs to win more to just alleviate pressure off him completely. Just just to if you go in, you play, you go in one month or so playing one Premier League match. This, uh, fingers crossed they go through in the FA Cup as well, wigging away in it. Um, so not far to go, but. He just needs. He really needs to take three points from this game. United, United did it last season. I think it'll be a difficult one. Forest is a is a really good atmosphere, very strong. Nuno will probably get them set at some point defensively in this kind of thing. I know they they lost at home to Bournemouth when they reduced to ten men uh, recently as well. But you know, just for Ten Hag's sake, he needs his players to uh, do what he's asking them to do and to take their chances on that day because. Otherwise, we're going to be embroiled again in will they sack him? Will Ineos sack him? When are they going to sack him? Like he's he's had enough, even if it's like a one 0 defeat or something like that. But United need to stay in touch with the teams above them. They absolutely have to because there's a real risk that if they don't win this game, that other teams will play more matches. Like during this, there's like a winter break uh, that each team I think each team gets about two weeks off. Yeah. It's staggered throughout the month. There's a real danger that they could just fall so far behind, and then even though they'll have games in hand, you don't trust that United will win those games in hand at the moment, do you? So, very, very important to actually build on what happened against Aston Villa, actually build on it. But we can't say anything. Well,
2: yeah, Man United are to steal some Americanisms. They're ten and eight, yeah, ten wins and eight defeats in the Premier League, which in itself is a mad stat line. It's quite rare that you see a team with quite a lot of wins but quite a lot of defeats in that manner. One, one draw, obviously in the middle there at Anfield. Um, I think the whole thing of it is, Scott, is that, again, if you want to kind of have a bit of blue sky thinking, if you were rather, say, than 10 and 8, you were, say, 12 and 6, yeah, you'd be level with Man City. So... I, I think the biggest stat line when we look at a lot of this stuff is the goal difference, how horrendously bad Man United are. I think they're in negative equity still. I think they're minus three or four or something like that. And minus five, Scott's I'm doing a, a, a kind of... I think it's
1: five. I want to say it's five.
2: Something like that. I'm, I'm thinking of Scott's, check. looking, Scott's checking now as, as I yabber away. But I think the whole point of it is, is that that showed this season... No, minus four. minus four. Minus four, that if you'd scored some more goals, like it sounds as kind of as arbitrary as that, if you'd managed to know how to put the ball in the net then you probably actually would be where you were wanted to be or even further ahead, you probably might be above Man City. So I don't want to use City just as the bar this year because City are, are underperforming. But Man United are also underperforming. And it's about how far is it back to where you want to be? Well, guess what? Not that far. Like, just sort some things out. So I think the thing, good thing against Aston Villa, Scott, was that we saw three goals go in the back of the net and that was really important. From so so forwards. Was your... <laughs> From forwards. And and do you know what? Again, we can talk around the subject a little bit today because what did we see? Marcus Rashford returned. Now, I don't think Rashford was brilliant, but Marcus Rashford made a difference. He absolutely made a difference. Just, I think, his presence in what he does. You know, he he makes that pass, obviously, for uh, Garnaccio for the first goal that's offside, and he makes the second pass as well. Now, that's what you want from Marcus in the wider area, especially off the left. But obviously, the goals from Garnaccio were great as well. He took his chances really well. But then, of course, Rasmus Hoyland gets his first goal in the Premier League. And for confidence, you could see that. Like you saw Anana sprint the length of the pitch to go jump on the boy. And it means so much to them. Do you know what I mean? From a first half of like nothingness where you can't even sort yourself out to a second half where you are Manchester United, the DNA in your blood runs deep. You You went for it and you got it. You have to build off that, Scott. That's how it goes. Now, we need more goals from those people. We need need Rashford to be back in the team and playing at his highest level. I don't think he had a great game, but he's coming back off an illness. Uh, Bruno in the second half, higher up the pitch, Scott, in the 10. Yes, please. More of that. I don't want to see Bruno in the six. I want to see him higher up the pitch. Great uh, counter press from him when he wins the ball, slides Rashford in and Rashford puts the ball across for Garnaccio to score. We need more of that because that influences scoring goals. Where are we
1: then, in in the sense of usually with managers when we're at this point, we see that they down tools. Mm. I, I don't I don't want to throw accusations, but I think that like that Watford game with Oli, yeah, you know, and that there were other matches, the late ones with Mourinho. There was a big defeat at West Ham, right? I remember under Jose Mourinho, where I was like, wow, that that he hasn't got long left. Mm. Do you think we're at that point, like because? how can you go from where united have been in the first half against villa to turning it around and winning because i i feel like i i've, I've not had a moment yet i i think I've suge- i It's it's been suggested to me at times where i thought oh maybe they're not playing for him but then hmm. I, I can't double down on it and say that they actually i, I think he's still got them i really do and i think you see the effort levels in the second half, like the amount of appetite, the appetite to go and win the ball back, this kind of thing is really there. And I think what you're, what you're seeing with Ten Hag is, I think it's working at times. I, like, I'll ask you this question as well, Rob. Do you think we're starting to see a style of play creep through? Because I, I, pers- I think I might be in the minority. I think we are, personally. I think we're seeing it in spurts. But I think what Ten Hag asks for is so much energy that you have to put that in all the time. I think the style is energy, press high, win it high up, quick Mm. transition. I think that's what we're looking at. I don't think it's 80% of possession like Man City. I think it's more Mm. along those lines. I think we're seeing it and maybe Aston Villa, the fact that they play such a high line, maybe it was easier to do it. Um, But we're seeing it more in matches now. So I'm seeing this... uh, criticism what what are united meant to be i think we see it in pockets but not consistently enough because i think maybe the players on the right
2: fits for the system and they can do it in spurts what what do you think no i I do not i agree with you and i think we've said it over time is that i think we all have an idea and know what eric ten hogg would really like to do if he creates his perfect team with the perfect tactics and go out every week we know exactly what he would do they would be called Ajax, so that's what we, we see with him is that he would like to be able to pack the middle at times, be able to play off the counter press, counter punch teams and get in transition and, and be able to use your natural pace that you have in your forwards there to be able to get forward. Now, now, people might say, well, is that a style of football? Because I think, again, everything is compared today to, say, Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola owns the word style. We saw Manchester City only last night kind of play a really tough game of football. But kind of their their stylistic properties come forward when they've got the ball, been able to move from back to front. Now, I think Eric Ten Hag would like that. But I think the problem is, Scott, with the players, and I'm going to use a term here that's wholly unscientific, is that the players sometimes are a bunch of idiots. Yeah, that's what they are. In the first half against Aston Villa, that was an idiot performance right? From a lot of them. If they if they are on 200 300,000 pound a week and they can't sort each other out and can't communicate, it is because they're idiots. It's not because, oh, Eric Ten Hag hasn't worked this little bit of tactic out or on the training ground, they didn't do this. No, sorry. They've played 4-1, 4-1 for a year. <laughs> they're idiots. So when I watched that performance, I was like, like you, I, I actually tweeted out, um, you know, this looks like how we're going to get the manager sack performance. Now, I don't, think that that's a, we've lost the dressing room performance. I think that that's just oh lads can we be bothered? Not following
1: process Yeah. How
2: am I supposed to do it? What does Eric Ten Hag say in every presser to us? We should follow the plan when we follow the plan we win It's just basic as that. He tells the players that. I think the problem is Scott in that first half they were probably more frightened of Aston Villa than they were of going to win the football match but when they were 2-0 down after making mistakes at the back they then lost that fear and went Let's get to work for 45 minutes, because we can run for 45 minutes, lads, can't we? And they sorted themselves out. When you saw their press got in the second half, it was like watching a different football team. It wasn't the same football team from the first half, but yet it's the same players. So the only reason I can put forward of why it didn't work in the first half is not the manager. It's just that they're idiots. That's all it comes down to. And if I'm Eric, I'm in the dressing room going, idiots. (laughs) get moving do as i tell you get on with the job so and i'm shouting here and getting getting kind of animated but that's how i felt i was just like you either turn up and do your job or or you let dave Brailsford watch you from the stand for the first time and dave Brailsford's going selling him selling him he doesn't represent this football club he runs and then doesn't bother he hasn't got any skill and there's all of that, I think, that Dave Browsford in the weeks ahead will be absolutely doing, no matter what Man United do on a football pitch. But some of this is obvious, Scott. So uh, well done to United for winning that game. But just stop making us have heart attacks in football matches. It's so, it's so puzzling, isn't it? Because every every
1: defeat that comes along, it's, oh, well, the manager needs to go. The manager needs to go. I think <laughs> United have lost so many matches this season. That's a completely valid question. Absolutely, absolutely. valid. 10 and 8. Completely valid. It's mad. 10 and 8. Uh, it's a completely valid question to say yeah. that the manager is not doing what is expected of him. Because you're yeah. not too far down the league to, to justify giving him absolute... Uh, I know I've suggested this as well. I would say just give him the rest of the season. But I, I'm actually seeing enough in pockets, to, like as I as I said just now, to say that I think I know where he's trying to take the team. It's just rob's technical term of bunch of
0: idiots i think what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls Head to Hero.co to shop today.
2: Did you notice more kids on the pitch? You know? Eight, eight, so eight graduates. The most, yeah. I think it was the most four Premier League he, season. He looked at eight Dan Gore
1: and, and Hannibal mm. in the last few minutes. Not an experienced head. Not yeah. an experienced head. He looked at the kids, the energy
2: to come on and see the game out. Maybe he's that watching was our show, Scott. Maybe he's watching our show when we say, go with the kids. Because I think that was at the end of that game, Scott, when he went with the kids, my heart did flutter a little bit. I did kind of go, oh no, what if this goes wrong? And they blame the kids and Hannibal goes around and hacks someone round in the air and gets sent off. And then Dan Gore gives the ball away like in front of the back four, like happened to, like Cobby Manu the other day, where, where he gives the ball away and makes one bad mistake, but you can't judge him on those things. Well, she shouldn't. Um, I think that that Ten Hag has been working with that balance for the whole period that he's been at the football club about who he can trust and what he can do and to bring Gore and Hannibal on to see the game out to give you energy and technicality all for it all for it because I think I want to see that is that I wouldn't call kids idiots you see if they make mistakes they're not idiots they're they're kids they're 18 and and I can you can give a kid a hug and say don't don't do that again let's work on that together yeah but when you're kind of 25, 26, 27, 28 and onwards, no, I'm sorry. Like you're getting to a point where it can only be tolerated for so long. And if you're the manager of anything, that's how it works with staff is that it starts with the top. We, we train them and it gets to a point where you're just kind of like cracking heads. You're just like going, no, we need to be better. And I think that's kind of what he did at half time. He would have just been saying, do the same things, stick to the plan and guess what you might win. Even at the end of the game, Scott, you know, when we scored the goals, I didn't really massively celebrate at all. I just kind of sat there because it was more relief. And even Eric Ten Hag after the game, he wasn't like, my boys! He was like, yeah, we made we made, made tough work at that, didn't we? <laughs> you know, 3, three two, but we won and I'm happy and my team deserve all of the credit. You know, he does says the same things all the time, doesn't he? So, that's what I think all we see now in the process of Man United in the next transfer window and beyond is that you now need to go and get players that are less idiot, less less idiotic, take responsibility for their no, game. I less idiot.
1: <laughs> Just less, idiot. Less, idiot. less
2: idiot, less idiot. That could be the title of this show, isn't it? Man United are less idiot, you know, in the future. <laughs> or need need to be. They the to be less. They, look at the goals they conceded. There's no way you should
1: concede either of those. Like, no, you know, like the first one, bobbles in the box and goes mm-hmm. in the corner, and nobody yeah. knows what the hell to do with it. Nope. the second one, everybody switches off, and some guy that Dendonka runs around the back in acres. Absolutely aphist.
2: It's it's madness. What watching those goals going ethics. Again, we saw the start where Bailey was behind Anana, whispering in his ear. Actually whispering in his ear like it was like that's what he was doing. He's going (laughs) <laughs> Anana, you can see, is like, well, well, now I don't think it was Anana's fault for that because when the ball comes into the box, it's absolutely imperative that one of your centre-backs gets ahead on it. You know, it's pretty low trajectory. You can get there, even if you get a foot on it and put it in your own net, get there somehow, you know, find a way to beat the opponent. But what happens, we see it so often, don't we, when a ball swung into the box and everyone goes, stand still, and it ends up in the back of the net. And what do you feel at that moment? Idiots. That's what I felt. I was like, what are you lot doing? But we see this all the time. And I think with the second goal as well, is just don't repeat it. Like, don't start, don't allow Villa to get a foothold because you're feeling bad about yourself. And that was why you were 2-0 down. And how quickly, Rob, did that goal come? That second goal. Too quickly. Straight after. And even when we scored, (laughs) even when we scored in the second half, I said to my son, I went, problem is man United normally concede within like one minute. And each time that, that Villa got the ball, they were on us within like a split second, because United had backed off, gone to sleep, and it was like, oh, well, let's give Villa a chance to get back in it. And Villa nearly did. In each goal, each of the three goals, Villa nearly scored straight after, and you were like, if you're Eric Ten Hag, you must be having kittens in that technical area. What can you actually do? You can only scream so much at this lot. So... I. I those things need to be fixed over a long period of time Scott. They won't get fixed for the next game with Nottingham Forest. My fear with Nottingham Forest is that they now look a little bit more organized under the Nuno. They will be more more organized. They'll be like Wolves from a few years ago, kind of strong, can hit you on the press, can hit you on the counter attack and will will make mincemeat of you in certain scenarios. But United need to be ready for that. United needs to go with well, a better team. So as long as we do our pressing and all of our work, we'll beat you. But they don't do it, Scott. And, and I don't think that's on Ten Hag. I really don't. I don't think it's the manager kind of making it toxic like we saw with other managers. I always use Jose as the, as the benchmark of toxicity because even though Jose is a Hall of Fame coach, that's where we got to with him and the players. But the players are still the same players. They're still the same bunch of idiots. And sometimes they have to be better. And I think they have to take that on now. If any of us do anything in the next month or two or three, as they do the root and and branch assessment, I think they'll look at these players and say, if you want to be at this football club, you need to take more responsibility. And I think that's really what it comes down to.
1: But how is that then? How does that translate to the wider picture? Because if United lose on Saturday, you know what the question is going to be. But we, we can have all these conversations about idiot hmm. that we want. But the, the fact of the matter is what drives the narrative is Man United's manager.
2: What you what know? drives the narrative in terms of, of, of the media and everything? I think when we talk about fans talking about it, yes, of course, victories and defeats do that. And Eric Ten Hag even said in this press, so went, I know people only care about winning and all of that, but I'm looking at other things as well. And I think you make your decisions, Scott, in the long term on those other things. So it's not just about winning and losing games. Of course, that's the be all and end all for a lot of people. But you actually look at the stats and you kind of go, well, hang on, we had a stats line of 1.1 XG on the day. So that is not acceptable. So when we go away tomorrow, we fix that. We work on that. We don't work on the other stuff that maybe people don't like. We work on the core parts of football. And you find ways to create more chances, to be more effective, to work harder in your press. All of that counts, Scott, whether you're winning games, or losing games. And that's how you have to be as a manager. You have to be stoic. You have to be balanced and be able to say to the team, this is why you're not winning games and we have to go fix those things. So that's just the process, isn't it? How long Eric Tenha gets to do that process? I think is a completely different question. I
1: did want to talk about the, uh, we mentioned the kids, uh, There were three kids that started. Uh Kobi Maynard what hasn't really been talked about since since that game? Because obviously Garnacho and Hoyland stole the headlines. We'll talk about mm. those in a second. But I just, I just wanted to talk about Kobi Maynard. because he made that mistake at West Ham and probably got a hell of a lot of stick for it. Yeah, you know, on on the social channels, this kind of thing. But the way he just went about his business again, yeah, just makes such like. If United had more of him, more play, more players like him, I think they'd be a lot, <laughs> a lot better off. But I think, yeah, it's what you want really is for Kobe Mania to go on the ra- under the radar. Totally, he's that profile of player you want him to go under the radar and to just not, re- just do all the basics right, keep United ticking over, and not really make any mistakes. It, mistakes are inevitably going to happen. I think that West Ham one would have been a big test for him. It's like hmm. it, it never happened though
2: to me. And that's how it should be like that. That's what you teach players is that you make a mistake. You think about it in the moment. You maybe try and rectify it in training and you forget about it, get on with the game. And I think that you can do that with kids quite, quite clearly because you're always looking at progression. I think we look at Cobby. If your number six is a star of any, any game you're doing something wrong. Yeah. If your number six is a player, you take out, you know, like David De Gea days, David De Gea will make 30 saves and people go, Oh David. Then David will make one error and people go, Oh David. You know, the whole point is your goalkeeper shouldn't be the hero in any football match. Not really. Your goalkeeper should do nothing. He should be more like Edison. Where he just is a sweeper and plays the, the ball out, though Edison does make mistakes. So I think when you look at that with the with the youngsters, is that you must give them that platform to also fail, but then learn. And I think with Cobby, he's a high learner. We know this already from, from his even younger days than he is now, is that that's always been a big thing with the coaching staff, say that this boy learns on the fly really well. I think he was really good in that game, Scott, because he did the basics without fuss. And in the second half, he allowed United to have a platform from the back areas in terms of coverage to be able to get going. It allowed Bruno to go higher up the pitch. Christian Eriksen, I think, went under the radar in the first half. Not great. Second half, I thought he played much better. And you had a midfield that was functioning, but it functions from the six. But all the glory goes to the eight and the ten. That's all right. That's how football works. Bruno Fernandes wants to be up that end of the pitch but you need someone like Cobby there at the back, looking after the centre-backs, looking after Johnny Evans. Like I was worried about Evans in the first half, but I think Cobby really helped him and they came together. Lots of chatting between them. Territory looked after. Watkins didn't do a lot after that, did he? You know, for me, like Watkins was looking to exploit that space. And and Villa in the second half themselves, I think, went a bit inward and didn't, didn't really kind of play their best game. Um, but it comes from your six looking after other parts of the pitch, but they should never be the hero.
1: Alejandro got, actually got man of the match, two goals plus one that was ruled out for offside. Um he's never played on the right, really. That you would I think one of his relatives came out and said he's never played on the right hand side. But, never
2: played there. Uh
1: any comments on him, Robert? I think the, the big thing is he just took the chances that he had, and I think makes a hell of a lot of difference. And he should. Do you think he? at home in that position now in the in the coming weeks or is it more of a because rashford played all right on the left maybe i think he's in the start forest potentially uh what i've gone
2: yeah, look, you missed the chances against West Ham. And that's why you walked away with the defeat. You know, you still need to score goals. So like, I think the thing is with Garnacho, we're talking about heroes, is that, yeah, if you're one of the forwards, you should be one of the heroes. That's how it works. You score the goals, you take the glory, and you deserve it. I thought it was a brilliant performance by Garnacho on the right hand side, not just talking about the goals. I think he actually played the position really well. Like you highlighted there, he's never actually played on the right. When he was in the youth team when we used to watch him, he'd either play off the left or centre-forward, sometimes playing a little bit of 10. So he would play those roles, but he never played off the right, which is, you know, he's a right-footed player. It's kind of weird, but I think we see that inversion is what managers like to do, which is why right-footers end up playing on the left sometimes. Um, I think more importantly, Scott, and looking at the goals, is that Garnacho is the type of player who is not going to be scared to miss. Right. And that's really important when you're a forward is that you will take those opportunities and you you won't fear missing. Now, I think when we look at, say, like Hoyland, who obviously got his his really historic, important goal, is that maybe at times you can look at last this season where he has been scared to miss. You've seen him get the ball in the box and maybe he's laid it off for an oncoming you know, third man run or something like that. And you're like, just hit it, boy, hit it and have a go. And, and he's tried to play team ball sometimes. You saw with that moment there where he gets his goal, Scott, what does he do? ball is bouncing, swing, volley, goal. That's the perfect thing you want for your number nine, isn't it? So I would like to see Garnaccio play a little bit more of the right, but I'm not convinced yet because we could have the next game at Forest. He could play on the right and have a stinker because he doesn't know the position very well. You know, if he lets things go behind him and doesn't run, doesn't run the rule, doesn't look after the fullback, then that's all part of the game, isn't it? And that's that's part of the learning. But no problem with 18, 19-year-old Scott making mistakes for me because I will watch that every day of the week as long as they're learning. We'll talk
1: about Rasmus Hoyland in a second. Uh, we would like to. But we, we're recording this on Thursday, releasing it on Friday. But as we record, uh you don't know this yet, Rob, unless you've been looking at your phone. Andre nan has been called up for AFCON, as has Sofiane and Rabat as well. Yeah, oh, we knew, that, knew uh, that a while ago knew that a while ago so yeah. united will have to be uh relying on for their games in i don't actually know the dates but obviously united played one game in january yeah. in the uh, in the premier league which is tottenham who will be heavily affected by this tournament and the asia cup as well because son will be going away as well i think but yeah that was that'll be an issue for united to sort out over the coming weeks but let's talk about rasmus shall we because i think We'll talk a little bit about Forest before we go as well, but Rasmus, finally, hmm. lovely goal for him. Uh, what do you want to say on him? Because I, I just thought it was a, such a nice moment and I feel like he's been getting a lot of stick. He's 20 years old, you know, and I think he, you can tell how much it meant to him, how much relief was in his face when he scored that goal and it was just really nice to, say that, to see that that moment had come for him. Uh, but, Fingers crossed, he can go on a run
2: now. A good striker's finish, and we do need to remember that this boy has not really got a lot more experience than someone like Garnacho or, Ma- or Manu. Like they've, he's played more games, obviously, back in in Serie A and beyond, but. He doesn't really have, I think, the deep levels of experience that, that other strikers do. Let's just look at Aston Villa at the other end of the pitch. Someone like Ollie Watkins, who's worked his way through the leagues and take, made his way up to becoming an England international. So I think when you look at, at Hoyland, you're going to have to be patient. I still think that he can contribute towards what you want to do over the next year, two or three. I do think you need to go buy another striker to help him. Someone who can score goals, whether someone who's a bit older and a little bit more experienced. Go find your Cavani. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Cavani now, that kind of player? But you can't rely on an older statesman. You have to work with all of them. And and I think for him, just the, the reaction of the whole team when he put the ball in the net was just this moment of joy. Johnny Evans' face, like talked about Johnny Evans a minute ago, as he ran, looking like looking like a twelve-year-old that just met Santa Claus for the first time. You know what I mean? Like big ah, and and it meant so much to them. And running the length of the pitch. So. A good moment, but you need to bottle those moments and take them away. Go to training and go, right, I need to sip off that Alexia now. I need to I need to have that in my veins every match. I need to remember what that felt like and I need to work as hard as I can. One thing I'll just say about Hoyland Swendit is that I actually think his work rate in recent weeks has declined. He's not nearly the first six or ten games, his work rate was brilliant. I still think he works hard, but he looks like someone who's in a in a funk, you know, like he it's he, like Everything I'm doing is not working and no one's passing to me. I saw a metric of passes to Hoyland and you can totally see why the striker's not happy. It's pathetic. It's really bad for him is that they're not passing him the ball. But he took that chance, Scott, and sometimes you just need that one chance. Get going. He scored five goals in the Champions League. But I think that still makes him top scorer in the Champions League somehow. So so he can score goals, but you've got to ch- you've got to create him chances, and that means you need a better XG than one point one. You need this XG to be up to two, and you might be able to help your striker score more goals.
1: Hey, United go to Forest, and we'll be back in the new year to talk about whatever the results are <laughs> just because this United's final game of the year. Fingers crossed they can get through it with a win and just I'm so sick of the noise,
2: Rob. I'm so sick of, mm. will he
1: get sacked? Will he get sacked? I'm just bored of it. We I'm live in so perpetual noise,
2: it. though, don't we? It's perpetual yeah. noise in, in our worlds. It would just be
1: nice if United you know, can go for Saturday to Monday, about eight, nine days with no real noise, apart from looking at what's happening behind the scenes with uh, the, the takeover of the sporting control from Ineos and all of this kind of stuff and what will happen in the January window. Hopefully we can just, we can have a bit of leeway to talk about
2: that kind of thing next week as well. And hopefully we'll be talking more also about someone we haven't spoken about outwardly and that's Kambala. So, you know, this is a player who I think, you know, we've not spoken about him because, because of the injuries that he's had previously, he played at Manchester United, picked up. He's a, he's the under 19 captain for France you know, he's a proper top player in terms of that age bracket. He's just never been able to do it at United, never been able to get him fit. So here he is now contributing. He's another player that came on late to see out the game against Aston Villa. But I actually think, Scott, that again, as you funny things have happened towards the season, is that while you're thinking about your Maguire's and this returning and Luke Shaw, as he was out of that game you might end up seeing more starts for him. And I wouldn't be surprised because I think technically he's got the game to play. That he's a ball progressor. He can take that channel and own it and go forward with the ball. We saw it in his debut against West Ham. I thought he did that really well. You know, a bit of ball progression from centre back. So uh, who knows? We might see that the future partnership as we go forward is Lissandro Martinez as your left side is your right side, maybe. You know, I'm not I'm not against that. I think you can develop the boy if you're in this motion of developing youngsters. And I would like to see more of that now rather than less. Yep. One for the future again.
1: Uh, we'll be back in the future. We'll be back next week. In, the, in a future year, even. 2024, this is our final show of 2023. But we'll be back, hopefully doing more, bigger, better than ever in, in 2024. I know we have ambitions to scale up and and do better rob but uh we do definitely see we'll see hopefully you've enjoyed uh everything that we've done this year or most of it at least really appreciate all the love and support and uh comments and messages that we get really really appreciate it and uh yeah keep them coming If, if you like the show let us know if you want us to do anything different let us know uh we're very much open to uh what you guys want to hear and we'll uh we'll endeavor to always improve in this kind of thing and we just really appreciate all the love and support that we've had throughout 2023 and hopefully into 2024 we can go to bigger and better things rob uh anything you'd like to say before we go
2: yes happy new year to everyone and thank you to our audience said so, you know without you guys we don't do this show it's just the truth um and we will try and always give you uh, an opinion from the heart both technically and emotionally we'll try and tell you what we think about Manchester United that's what this show is about that's why we always talk incessantly about them but it's you guys that listen if you didn't listen we wouldn't do it so keep telling your friends keep sharing the show keep interacting with us on socials we'll try and do our best to keep up with that Um, and hopefully in 2024 we can bring you more obviously about the new ownership in terms of what they want to do and some of our contacts and give you some Reveals on some of that information, but also talk about the football and hopefully Manchester United winning more football matches than they have done in the last few months.
1: Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, the Promised Land and Manchester United Podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, and hit the notification bell on YouTube so you never miss a show. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at TPLMUFC. Until next year, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching from Rob and I. Have a great new year, and we'll see you soon.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.